Welcome to the Hudson Wesleyan Church Podcast, a recording of the weekly messages of Pastor Wesley Rowan during the Sunday worship service. We trust the time you spend listening will enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here is Pastor Wes. I want to invite you, if you are able, to take your Bibles out and to turn to um, Colossians chapter 1. We are going to be talking about Genesis. We're starting a new sermon series this morning entitled, Tell Me the Story. And we're looking at stories from the Old Testament, but we are also looking at how we see Jesus in the Old Testament. So we're going to be talking about uh, Genesis chapter 1, but I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. And I want you to, um, if you would like an electronic copy or version of it, there's a QR code that you can scan that and it'll take you right to it. Think with me, if you will, what Pierce was reading for us. Sometimes when we think about Genesis chapter 1 or pre-creation, we just think about things being dark. We just think, oh, imagine all the lights are out, or imagine you go out after night, uh, nightfall, and so everything is just dark. It's hard to see what's going on. But that is not the account that Genesis gives us. There was nothing. So even imagining that we would be able to perceive that there was a nothingness, if you've ever been out on the water after dark and it's just kind of, you know, those, the water is just kind of rocking, but you can't see anything, can't see maybe the, the, the shoreline or anything like that, even that is too much for us to be able to perceive. The very ability that we have to perceive is a created ability. And so we um, realize that if you could even imagine what was going on pre-creation, it wouldn't be that it was dark. It wouldn't be that it was sundown. It wouldn't be that the moon wasn't shining. It would be nothingness. No senses. No breeze. No sense of time that we're waiting for the next day to come. No even reality of day and night. No passing of time. Just an eternity of nothing. And God exists in that space. But even that is not a completely accurate description of what God is doing. He doesn't just exist in that space, for space does not yet exist. Indeed, it is just that God is and there is nothing else.
in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, and then God created. Scientists are telling us, have been telling us, that there are certain laws and certain patterns in the universe that make them believe that the universe itself had to have come from a starting point. That everything that we know about all the existence of the universe and everything that is beyond it, they believe could be traced back to a foundational point at which it was all flung into space. Because as Scripture tells us that even the evidence of the expanse of the stars would tell us that something has put them in motion. Long before there was any idea of what was scientific, long before there was any notion of being able to create a machine that would help us to gaze deep into the heavens, the authors in Scripture would say that he has flung the stars. He spreads them out. Scientists come along thousands of years later and they get their high-powered magnification out and they look at the universe and they say you know what we think this universe is expanding yeah we think this universe if it's expanding then it probably at one point was a lot more compact it was it was closer together than it is now genesis chapter 1 says there was nothing and then god created. He created the heavens and the earth. He created whatever is out there and whatever is here. All of it. And so down through Christian history, we have made a foundational point of declaring that God is the author of creation. We were going to do the creed this morning. We might end with it. It says right at the beginning, one of the foundational points of our belief, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So we believe that God is the creator, and I'm not going to walk through the entire story from Genesis chapter 1. But Scripture tells us that, that he has called things into existence. So again, as, as Pierce was reading for us, that there, were a, there was a moment where dry land came into being where it had not before existed, where the land was separated from the waters, where bushes and trees started to grow on that land where the stars and the sun and the moon were put into the heavens, 
where the birds were put into the air and the fish were put into the sea, where creatures were made to move on the dry land, and where indeed God created and placed us as well. Think with me. The nothingness from before creation led to the fullness of God's creative expression. I am not a very creative person. I'm not good at it. Can't dream things up in my head. I'm not very good at um, seeing uh, uh, visions of, oh, we could make it look like this, or we could be... I'm okay with helping to put things together, but don't ask me to come up with a plan. I'm not a designer of any kind. But I'm impressed by people, whether it is in film or whether it's on the theater stage or whether it's on the art canvas or whether it's at the keyboard or whether it's in decorating, who can walk into an empty space and say, you know what we could do? And they begin to put something together that before had only existed in their mind. This is the image that we get of God doing in Genesis chapter 1. Something that before had only existed as his creative concept. He is now speaking it into existence. And while this is not the point of my message, anytime you get into talking about the beginning of all things, you know, the question comes up, so so did God really speak everything into existence in seven literal days? Did did God use evolution? Did God um, start the process and let it go from there? Is the earth thousands of years old or is it millions of years old? And I have opinions on all of that. That is not the point of this message, but let me tell you this. If you think God couldn't have done it in six literal days by speaking it all into existence, then you've got the wrong God in mind. I don't know exactly how all he did it. I don't think it's a matter of salvation to believe it one way or the other. I have beliefs on it, but I do believe this. God can do whatever he pleases, however he pleases. And foolish are we if we limit him to only being able to do it in a way that seems to perceptually make sense to us. But Christianity has always insisted that whatever else we believe about things coming into existence, he is the founder of them. He is the creator of them. He is the beginning of them. From him all things were made, and without him there was nothing made that has been made. Now we turn to Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and one of the first things he wants to tell them, right in the first chapter, starting with verse 15, is this. He, he's talking about Jesus, of course, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions 
or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. So every he is referring to Jesus. And in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body of the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So not just the beginning from creation, but he is the beginning of our life and our hope for life, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. The fullness of what? The fullness of God the Father. So Jesus, we talked about the Spirit in our last sermon series, Jesus is every bit the fullness of God. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The Apostle Paul, writing some 5,000 years after the Genesis account, looks at Jesus that he never met face-to-face except on that road and says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when that creation happened, he was there. We go to the beginning of John's writing and read that in the beginning was the Word. The Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. We go back to Genesis 1 and we look at how is it that God was creating by the Word of his mouth. And then Paul picks up that thread with the church at Colossae and says, in him was the fullness of all things. I don't know how exactly God created, but in some mystical way, the authority and the creative desire of the Father is expressed through the word of the Son and the fullness of creation is dwelling in the Son. We think of the Son, we think of Jesus, but Jesus was not so called until he was born four or 5,000 years after that creative event. He was born and he came through Mary, and Mary was told, you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The the Son of God, pre-incarnation, was not called Jesus. He was called the Word. He was called the Son. He was a second member of the triune God, and all the fullness of creation existed in the Son. Everything about Everything that is exists in him. We thought that the beauty of God sending Jesus to die for our sins was because Jesus being perfect God and perfect man, he was the one that was able to bridge the gap between our fallen nature and God's perfect nature, and that is true. But I want to take you a step farther than that. All of creation being existent in the Son allows him not only to reconcile our fallenness with God's 
perfectness, our sinfulness with God's righteousness. It also allows him to be the one to say that there is coming a hope for this fallen creation that started out as a perfect creation. When he spoke it into existence, there was nothing wrong with it. Again, going back to our reading from earlier, he said, it's good. I like what I've done here. There's nothing wrong with it. It's all put together just right. That is not the world that we live in now, my friends. You don't have to look very far to see that, do you? But the one in which all of the fullness of creation existed is the one who is able to bring everything back the way that it should be. And so we see Jesus standing up in the middle of a storm and rebuking the wind and the waves. You don't get to do that unless the fullness of that very existence of those waves and of that wind is held within your being. So God is creating Jesus is the expression, the physical expression of, in the embodiment of man, of that second person of the Godhead who was the word that spoke the world into existence. And in the nature of Jesus, we see the expression of, of creation, or maybe we should flip it around the other way and say, when we look at the expression of the creative process, we see the nature of Jesus. What is it that Jesus does? He brings light out of darkness. That's part of the creative process from Genesis chapter 1. There was nothing, and God said... We're going to create. And even once he had created and all is dark, he says, let there be light. The best guess that secular science can provide as to why there is light in the universe is that it is a result of an explosion or a shattering from some very minuscule particles, densely compacted, that have exploded into the universe and somehow through that force, that energy, sparked the, what was required for the beginning of the life process. Now, for my scientific friends or people who may come back and catch this somewhere online, I know that's an oversimplification of what science said happened. But the only way that you get light and nothingness is either for someone to create it or for there to be some sort of a rupture.
God said, let there be light. Light was not a known entity. Light was not quantifiable. Light didn't exist. And God said, let there be light. So we see in the character of the creator, we see in the character of this one that Paul says all the fullness of creation is in him. He is reconciling everything to himself, that he is the kind of God that brings light out of darkness. This is good news for you and I, because the world dark. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin, but the light of the world is Jesus. So we see that in creation. We see that God is a God of rhythm and structure as he creates the passing of time and the rising and the fall of the sun, the setting of days, which eventually leads to our understanding of time. All around the globe, since as early as we can find or know record, time has been counted by the sun coming up and the sun going down. It is the most regular, reliable experience of our existence. God is a God of structure. Now, how we have calculated that going up and going down and the, the sunrise and the sunset and how we've turned it into days and months and years, and that has differed throughout human history, yes, but the only regular thing that we depend on is that rhythmic passing of the earth as it turns and circles around the sun. Even before we knew that's what was happening, that's what we were relying on. What else do we know about the character of God? God is a God that is a creator of life. Hear me, my friends. Whatever it is that your life is, whatever it is that your life needs, whatever it is that you feel you are lacking, the only place to be satisfied is by the one who creates life. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that. He creates beauty. I've said this before, but sometimes, at least in our branch of the church, we've gotten a little bit away from focusing on the arts as an expression of our faith. Because it is true that sometimes in Christian history, it became more about the created than the creator. That's true. But some of the most profoundly beautiful things that have been produced in human history were produced by people who were doing so in an effort to express beauty in a form of worship. So the Creator is concerned with the beauty of the world that He has created. 
The creator is concerned with the vastness of space at the same time as he is concerned with the minuscule details of our lives. Can you imagine that? This one who spoke it into being, the word of God that possesses the fullness of all creation, at the same time he envelops the universe and he knows how many hairs are on your head. This is not a creator that we sort of just glance at and look at and say, yeah, God made stuff. That's good. There must have been a creator. No. We are talking about one who is bigger than the universe and yet concerned with the details of our lives. One thing that people will tell us when they go to space or when they study the universe particularly is that you learn how small we really are. To be one little person in one little town in one little state in one country on a little blue marble in the middle of a whole bunch of nothingness seems pretty small. And yet the God of the universe, the spoken word, knows about every detail of your life. Not only is God the creator of life, he is concerned with the perpetuation of life. He creates reproduction. He creates not just human reproduction, but he creates the reproduction of nature. It's been a while, maybe, maybe a half minute or so, since any of us sat in a high school biology class. But I was always just overwhelmed almost by the process by which plants exist. that they are fertilized by the movement of insects, bees and others, from one plant to another plant, and then able to reproduce a system that digs down into the earth in just a matter of months. I mean, we live in a rural area, so we get used to it, but do you understand the profound miracle of the fact that we have corn stalks around us that are seven feet tall, where there was nothing five months ago? It's profound. When I'm out mowing my grass, I'm thinking, I don't remember seeing this grass grow. We just did this a week or two ago. Here we are. But it works. God is a God that is concerned with the perpetuation of that which he's created and he's provided for it. That means he's interested in the growth of you, your life, your spirit, your being. How are we doing? And then we see mankind man and woman created in the image of God. Can you imagine? 
God the Father has used the word to speak everything else into existence. And now I'm going to take some liberties with the text, but I don't think it's that far outside the scope of what probably happened. The word has spoken everything into existence up to this point. Now it's time for mankind. And the Father reaches into the dust that the word just spoke into existence. Remember, there was no dust until the word said, let's have some dust. Let's have some earth. Let's have some clay. The father reaches into the dirt that the word spoke into existence and says, now we are going to make mankind in our image. Both the the Father and the Son alongside the Spirit looking into the future because to them it is all existence at once. So we see them as looking forward. They were just observing. And knowing that as the Father formed the body of mankind, that he was literally forming the vessel by which someday the Son would enter that creation. We think of Jesus coming, we think of it as Christmas time, being born as a baby. But can you imagine the interaction between the Father and Son as the Father is literally molding what the body of humanity will look like that someday the Son is going to fill? He cares deeply about all that we are, not just because he, ha- because he created us, but because he has been us. He's filled one of those clay vessels, the earthen vessels that we're referred to as. So what does it mean for this creative event to tell us about the nature of God? We've just run through some things that we see. What are the implications So he is above all, yet intimately in all. He is above you, he is your authority, and yet he's in you. He he brings things about by the power of his will, which means we are reconciled to God, not by what we have done, but by what the one has done who is the reconciler. It's not our doing. We are not able to create at all. Everything that we create, we use things that have been created for us. He calls things as he will, not as we would. You hear that? He creates, he calls. The light he called day, the darkness he called night. He called it the sun, the moon, the stars. And then he turns to Adam post-creation and says, now you name the animals. He brings life out of nothing. Are you at a point of nothing? Well, that's where God works. And he cares deeply about everything that is. In the one song that we sing in the Christmas drama that we're going to do this year, it says, everything that is, is his. It puts us in our place, 
but not as God holding us down under his thumb saying, I'm the creator, I am the authority, you will do as I say. Instead, it is as the creator who says, I made this for you and I want to show you what it means to really enjoy it, really to have the life I created you to have. Sin and despair have ruined humanity, but the redeemer, the one in whom is possessed all the fullness of God, He is the one that gives us hope. For our time of response, I think that we will say together the Apostles' Creed, like I said, we were going to do it earlier, and then uh, I forgot to do it. Um, it is in our hymnal. I just have to find out for sure what page uh, it is on, in case you need to have that in front of you. I had a slide with it, but we've already turned uh, the projector off, so just bear with me for a second. Um, there it is, page 8, right near the beginning. Page 8, let's take out our hymnals if you need them and let's stand together as we um, respond to this beautiful reality by saying the Apostles' Creed. Let's stand together. Again, it's on page 8 if you need uh, to have that in front of you. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord. We are so thankful that you are the creator of all things and that you've created us. We are so thankful that you invite us into eternal relationship with you. We pray now, Lord, that as we live this out on a daily basis, we will see you and not ourselves as the primary interest of our daily events. We thank you for Jesus who comes to reconcile us to you. Grace us with your presence. Grant us your peace, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. My friends, you are dismissed. May the Lord bless you as you go on your way. This message is a ministry of Hudson Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to see lives transformed for the glory of God. For more information, you may contact the church at 517-448-6411 or at hudsonwesleyan.org. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.